Let's pray. Father, we love you so much today, God. And we're so thankful for your word from where we can receive direction and encouragement. And I pray, Lord, that this morning and every day of our lives, our desire is to hear from you, Lord. Challenge us, God, and help us to develop a heavenly mindset. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If ye then be risen with Christ. You were here a few weeks ago. I shared that in the Greek that is emphatic. It is not a question of if or not. It is. Since you have been risen with Christ. If you are born again, Christ has raised you. If you are born again, we need to live in a way that moves us closer and closer to heaven. We need to have an eternal uh, perspective, and we need to realize if you are born again, we have an eternal relationship in heaven. How many know we're pilgrims here? We are just passing through. Last week we kind of touched on this subject and I'm going to kind of re- review it a little bit. There are two kingdoms, kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. Now remember what we said last week about a citizen. It is someone who legally belongs to a country and because they belong to that country, they have the rights and protection of that country. And normally citizens adopt the culture and the practices of the nation or the kingdom to which they belong. I'm a citizen of heaven. How about you? I am a citizen of heaven. I'm the child of God. And every one of us, anyone who's ever been born, has been born into the kingdom of this world. And I remind you what we touched on last week. Satan rules the kingdom of this world. He is indeed the prince and the power of the air. And because of that, we grew up, and people today grow up, adopting the culture, adopting the practices, and the values that Satan instigates. And it all began way back in the Garden of Eden. We shared that last week. But I want you to know I didn't stop then. It still goes on today. In fact, when John wrote his epistle, he reminds us that everything in the world is not of the Father, but of the world. Now, the Bible speaks about citizens of this world. And Paul reminds us, we're not going to read the verse again, we did it last week. But Paul reminds us that those who are citizens of this world... Their destiny is destruction. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to go there. That's not a road I want to travel. And the problem is those who choose to live for this world, they're going to be shocked one day because they're going to find out their destiny is what they hoped, is not going to be what they hoped it would be. But not only are they headed for destruction, the Bible says that their, their God is their stomach. All they care about is satisfying themselves. How many know we live in a world like that? The third thing, their glory is their shame. They glory in themselves. And Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 1, 
things they should be ashamed of, they brag out openly. Their glory is their shame. And the fourth thing is, their mind is set on earthly things. And that's why the Bible says, if we are risen with Christ, we are to seek those things which are above. We're to set our affection on heavenly things. And by the way, I'm glad that over 30 years ago now, probably closer to 40, I became a citizen of heaven. I no longer live for this world. So when we think about the kingdom of heaven, there are several things that are important. Number one, you have to be born again. You must be born again. The only way to be set free from the kingdom of this world is to be born again. Being born from above. How many know that's not joining a church? Being born again is not being baptized, although baptism is important. Being born again means we are born from above. It's the power of God under salvation. We are born again. Now, also, I think you know by now, not everyone who says they're going to heaven are going to heaven. Not even everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, are going to heaven. The problem is they're being self-deceived. So you have to be born again. Second of all, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if we're in the kingdom of heaven, we are now new creatures in Christ. We are a new creation. But not only that, Paul also says, if you're born again, the spirit of the holy God dwells in us. Folks, our bodies are the tabernacle of the God of the universe. He lives in us. And now that the Holy Spirit lives in us, He begins to transform our sinful, worldly desires, and He takes those desires and we turn them to the point that we want to glorify God with our life, with everything we do. So we're born again. We are new creatures. We are filled with the Spirit of God. And now, if you're born again, we have given the power to be set free from this world's value system. We have the power now not to live for this world, but thank God to live for eternity. Amen. The Spirit of God dwells in us. We've also been delivered from Satan's domain. 1 John 2.14 And now we've become citizens of an eternal kingdom. And by the way, in that kingdom, my father is a king. He is And because of that, now our focus must turn toward eternal things and we begin from the point we're saved to store up treasures in heaven. But until that day comes when God calls us home, we see ourselves as ambassadors to this earth. But my friend, one day, God is going to call us home. Now think about this, okay? We grew up in this world, in this world system. Before we were saved, we were part of Satan's kingdom, this world kingdom. But God in his great mercy, can you imagine that? God in his great mercy, he's taken you and I, strangers and foreigners, and he's made us a part of his kingdom 
But not only part of his kingdom, we are now members of God's family. We are members of his household. I don't need to remind you, we only live a short while in these physical bodies. But my friend, because we are living for Christ, if we're born again, we are now anticipating a bright future for eternity in our real home. Thank God this world is not my home. Now, by the way, while we're here, now remember, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. So while we are here, we sort of share in the experience Abraham, Abraham had. Look what Hebrews eleven nine and 10 says. Talking about Abraham. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. Notice this. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now don't miss what the writer of Hebrews tells us. Abraham was living in the land of promise. But you know what he realized? That's not heaven. He lived there like a stranger. And yes, we live in this world. And yet we live here like strangers. I got to tell you, folks, I am expecting something so much better. I am looking for a city. I am looking for that city who has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That eternal city. That's my home. I'm just passing through this world. And that's why we must never forget Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's kind of analyze this for a moment. Clearly, Paul tells us, the Bible says to us, that our citizenship is in heaven. And that being true, that being a fact, we should live so differently from this world. So much different this world lives that there is no question to those who see our lives that we are bound for that city. We are bound for heaven. So that's why we're focusing on how to develop a heavenly mindset. And we want to continue that thought again today. Now remember, as a child of God, True Christian behavior is putting on the new self, and we do that by accepting Jesus Christ and then seeing our old nature, our earthly nature, as having died. We are now alive in Christ. We change our moral behavior. We change our ethical behavior. And we do that not on our own. Will we do that by allowing Christ to live in and through us? Thank God. And we do that, allow Him to do it, so that Jesus Christ can shape us into who and what we need to be for God's glory. So how do we do that? Let's go back to Colossians 3, the first few verses. If you then be risen with Christ, 
Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and not on things on earth. How many know today that the mind is very important? Our mind is very important. And when Paul speaks about setting our affection on things, we're talking about our mind. So my question is, what does your mind say about you? What does your mind say about you? Well, first of all, understand this. Your mind will tell you who you are. Your mind will tell you uh, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Your mind will tell you whether you're a person who is led by your simple nature or you're a person led by the Spirit of God. Your mind will also tell you what types of fruits you're going to produce. So your mind is important. And a person who thinks on the things of God, the person whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, the person whose mind and affection are on things above, receives life and peace. And I want to tell you, folks, there's nothing like that. I have tasted and I found it's good. It is good. We live in a world filled with people. They're trying to earn God's approval. They're trying to earn his approval by keeping a set of rules. Don't do this, do that. And the list goes on and on and on. But I want to say this morning, folks, the good news is the way to God has already been opened. Jesus Christ has already paid that price. He's already paid it in full. And we have to realize, folks, we are simply... God's children by putting our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Thank God for salvation. We no longer have to try to reach God by keeping rules. You can't anyway. And when we realize that, we become more and more like Jesus Christ every day in our lives as we live by faith in Him. Thank God for that. Christ has opened the way. We need to allow the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to turn our eyes away from our own performance and turn our eyes toward Jesus. Turn our eyes toward Jesus. And when we do, He will free us from trying to earn our salvation. He will free us to serve Him out of love. He will free us to serve Him out of gratitude. And that's what it means to live in the new way of the Spirit. So here in Colossians chapter 3, the Bible calls us as believers, because even Paul knows that all of us are tempted to think on carnal things. But the Bible says, don't do that. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on Christ. And my friend, that will make a total radical change. In your life. And the Bible said, Paul said, because we have been raised with Christ, because we are now sitting in heavenly places, we need to set our hearts on those things which are above. Has anybody told you? Have you realized life is short? 
when I was uh, in high school, if you were 30 years old, you were useless. Huh? Remember those? Somebody can remember those days, right? <coughs> I can't remember the fellow's name, but I remember the name. When I, I mean, I heard his name when I was in high school, but that was his idea. Well, I'm a little bit past 30 now. And I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, well, Pam and I were sitting in the living room the other day in our, in our family room. And, and uh, to be honest with you, age has never really bothered me much. But I looked at her, and I said, I just cannot believe I'm 70. But I am. And I looked back, and I thought, where did the years go? You ever think that yourself? So life is short. And so I want to tell you, folks, if we set our heart on things in this world, we're going to come up short all the time. And the Bible says, set our hearts on things above. Now, when the Bible speaks of things above, it's talking about uh, referring to God and, of course, his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this. Verse 9 and 10. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So again, the big question is, how do I develop a heavenly mindset? How do I allow my life not to be consumed with this world, but to be consumed with the things of God. How can that happen? I'm glad you asked. Number one, if we are going to ever develop a heavenly mindset, we do it, number one, by focusing on our resurrected position. Now, you hear me say it often. It's important what you know. It is very important what we know. And what we know doesn't come from how I feel. It comes from here. What does the Bible say about us? Who are we in Christ? And if we are going to develop a heavenly mindset, we have to focus on who we are, our resurrected position in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Look what the Bible says. And you, he, Christ, made alive, who were dead in sin, I'm sorry, in trespasses and sins. We have to realize we have been made alive. Amen. We were dead spiritually. But now we have been made alive. But not only have we been made alive, look at Colossians 3.1. The first part, if then you've been risen with Christ, the fact of the matter is, number two, we have been raised. We've been made alive, that's past tense. We have been raised, that's also past tense. So what does Paul mean? What does the Bible mean when it says we are raised with Christ? And why would that fact, knowing that we've been raised with Christ, how would that encourage me how would that give me the desire to think on things above? 
So Paul says to us, one of the ways we develop a heavenly mindset is to understand our new position. Understand our new position in Christ. So important. Now hold on. When Christ died, we died with him. But when he resurrected and went to heaven, the Bible says we went with him there also. Ephesians 2.8. Or 2.6, I'm sorry. The first part says, and hath raised us up together. Raised us up together. Now, it's interesting. The Bible teaches us that Christ was raised from the dead, he left the tomb. How many are glad he did? He's not there. He was raised up, and we have to realize all of that, that whole act, was accomplished by God's power alone. It was the power of God that raised Christ from the dead. But the Bible says that we have been raised up together with him. And now hold on. And I know we, we, we think and we speak a lot about a physical resurrection, and it will happen if the Lord tarries. But understand, not only do we have the assurance of a physical resurrection one day, what the Bible is speaking about, if you're born again, we participate in a new resurrection the very moment we are saved. Amen. Now, by the way, that's the, the important part of baptism. It's an, it is a public testimony and uh, that you have died out to sin. Okay? You've been buried. That's what the being submerged means with Christ. But you don't stay in the water. You raise up again to walk in the newness of life. Now, that's the sort of a theological description in a nutshell. I realize that. But, but what does that mean? I have, you know, I have the assurance of physical resurrection, yes. I, I'm assured that one day I'll be glorified, the Bible says. I know that. But understand, I participated in that resurrection the day I got saved. So please understand something, folks. Salvation is more than joining a church. It's more than being uh, baptized. Salvation is the work of God giving us dead sinners, spiritually dead, giving us life in Christ. We, are now, we now have the power to live a life that glorifies God. Thank God. That's only by the power of God. Nothing I've done except trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. So now that I have resurrection power living in me through Christ, I live a new life in obedience to God, and now it's a totally different lifestyle than this world could ever offer to me. And I like it so, so much better. Don't miss the analogy here. Just as Christ was raised from physical death, when we trust Christ as Savior, we are raised from spiritual death to an entirely 
new life in Christ. I've shared it often through the years, but before I was saved, there were times I thought about it. There were several times I literally would stand at the pew during altar call and weep. And I thought, Lord, I want to be, I'd love, I want to be a Christian. And I didn't understand all about that. I know that. But one thing that held me back, I thought, Lord, if, if I become a Christian, I could never live that life. Now, the fact of the matter, what I said was true. Isn't that true? Not on my own. But what I didn't realize, I was spiritually dead. But I didn't realize if I come to Christ, He would raise me up, give me resurrection power. That way I could live my life to glorify God. So Paul said we've been made alive. We have been raised. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 6. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we've been made alive. We've been raised. And now we are seated. I want to emphasize again, all three of these things are past events that have a lasting effect on our lives. So don't look at this when Paul says we're seated together in heavenly places. Don't think, well, this means in the future. Some event down the road. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Bible says we are seated with Christ now. Amen. Folks, remember, it's what we know that matters, not how we feel. What does the Bible say about our new resurrected position in Christ? We have been raised, we've been made alive, and yes, we are seated. And that means that right now, this moment, we share with Christ in His victory. Because He lives, we live also. Not shall live, we live now also. I think sometimes you're like me, you forget who we are in Christ. You forget the position we have in Jesus Christ. Folks, I want to tell you, we are children of the King. Amen. He's our Father. He cares about us. And if we begin to see ourselves seated with Christ, our position, our resurrected position with Christ, I think it will help us face our day a whole lot better. It will help us face our work and our trials with a much greater hope. Do you realize, if you're a child of God, we are heirs of the kingdom along with Jesus Christ. And we are spiritually raised, we are spiritually exalted the moment we trust Jesus Christ for salvation. So the day I got saved, the day you got saved, we now have a new citizenship. Brand new citizenship in heaven. No longer on this earth. Now don't miss this, folks. Christ was raised only by the power of God. And the power that raised Christ, the power that exalted Christ, has also raised and exalted His people. That same power is available to us. And that same power works every day in believers. That same power helps us to live and work for God 
during our time in this world, no matter how long it might be. Because we've been made alive, being raised, and being seated in heaven only happens in Christ Jesus. He was the first fruit. He was the forerunner. And without his sacrifice for our sins, without his sacrifice for my sins and for your sins, without his resurrection, without his exaltation, folks, we would still be without hope. But thank God, he's raised and so are we. We have hope in Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. I don't know how long I tried to live a better life before I got saved. I don't know how hard I tried to do better, but I know I did. But I thank God that now, now because of Christ, because I've trusted Him as my Savior, now I have the power to live as a Christian. Now. In this world. Now I have a power to please God and not to live in conformity to this world and its standards. But now, I have the power to live my life in obedience to my great God and my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hold on. Because we are children of the King, we can claim that power right now. Right now. So when Paul speaks about being seated with him, with Christ, in heavenly realms, he is mainly speaking about authority and rulership. Let's go back to Ephesians 1 again. We'll pick up in verse 19 and read through verse 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, notice this, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principalities in power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave to him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in What's Paul saying here? He's telling us the same power that was at work in Jesus Christ when he was resurrected is the same power at work in our lives. And that same power seated Christ in heaven. And the Bible says that same power seats us in heaven as well. And don't miss the point here. We're not talking about distance necessarily. In fact, not at all. We're talking about heavenly realms, far above all authority, above all power, and above all dominion, because God has placed everything under the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, we know that there's one thing left, and that's death. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 uh, through uh, 26. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule 
and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. My friend, hear me. When Christ comes, all authority will be his. Everything will be put under his feet. There's one more enemy, and he conquered it 2,000 years ago. And one day, it will be destroyed. Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How many know one day is going to happen? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Everything will be under his feet. And as, ama- as amazing as that is, and it, it's incredible. The most incredible thing to me is this. The most incredible thing about the rule of Christ is that the Bible says that one day we are going to rule with him. Think about that. Romans eight seventeen. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, notice this, that we may also, may be also glorified together. I tell people all the time, I've been waiting all my life for my rich uncle to leave this world. Problem is, I've never had a rich uncle. I do have a rich father. Heavenly Father. I have a rich Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, I'm a co-heir with him. Everything that Christ has, we have. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And that's why we ought to set our hearts, our affection on things above. That's why we're to put our mind and our heart where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And our thinking, our mindset, it ought to reflect our resurrection in Christ. We've been changed. The one who is seated at the right hand of God is one day going to rule over everything. And if we're going to have a heavenly mindset, we must first start with understanding where and what our position is in Jesus Christ. My friend, we have been raised with Christ. We've been raised with the one who is seated at the right hand of God. And everything that the Son has is ours as well. Because we are seated now with Christ, it reflects our unity with Christ and the authority that comes with it. And this reality, knowing who we are, in our resurrected position, it ought to change the way we think and the way we live. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.